This is a Federal News Network podcast. It's the final stretch until the Biden administration moves into the White House. While the drapes may change there, many of the Pentagon's priorities will remain the same. One of the most important four military officials is staying ahead of China and Russia on technology. The Defense Department needs innovation to do that. Two defense experts have a few ideas for how the Biden administration can do better. Federal News Network's Scott Massioni spoke with a partner at Founders Trust, Trey Stevens, and former Defense Business Board member Steve Blank. Technology, which used to be owned exclusively by the Department of Defense, is being driven by commercial firms, um, whether it's cyber or commercial access to space or basically AI, autonomy, machine learning, uh, biotech, etc., uh, are no longer just the province of the DOD labs. And a good chunk of that, that innovation is happening overseas in China. Um, and so, uh, you know, this is kind of the perfect storm of uh, of a sea change to Department of Defense, particularly when um, we were the leader. It's also kind of a, ironic that um, our systems have now become legacy systems. That is, the things that made us stronger now things that are no longer kind of the leaders is uh, we built these exquisite and expensive systems that um, were in space or carriers on, on, on the ocean or other places um, that are now, if not obsolete, not particularly designed for the purposes needed in the 21st century or or have been negated by our adversaries' uh, weapons and systems. And, and in fact, if you look at the 88 MDAPs or major defense acquisition programs, you know, you could, you have to squint hard to see something that isn't a, a legacy. And I'm not suggesting they're all wrong. I'm just kind of asking where are the new things um, that, that will get us ahead. Um, and, and that's kind of the innovation dilemma. Uh, the DOD, um, as I'm sure your listeners know, uh, basically you're still operating under the McNamara era, 1960s, you know, let's contain costs, let's do life cycle management, et cetera, where we, where we were able to predict threats decades out and predict technologies decades out. And so we built systems that lasted for decades. Um, you know, I come from Silicon Valley and, you know, no technology lasts more than 18 months and three years is kind of ancient. You can't even upgrade it. One of the things that you've really been advocating for is to look at software differently within the Defense Department. And this is something that the chief of acquisition within the Air Force, Will Roper, has been an evangelical for, really, which is making software just as important as hardware. What are your ideas about that? In the commercial world, and in, in uh, Silicon Valley and in other innovation centers, you know, software is updated daily. Um, in the DOD, Software updates, at least historically, and we're, we're beginning to change that. And, and as I said, Ellen Ward's um, new software acquisition. But, but defense contractors uh, historically thought of upgrades as the business model. You low-bid the initial system, and then you basically sold additional upgrades. Whereas today, you buy an iPhone or an Apple Watch or any other computing device, you just assume it gets better over time for free. That's a big idea, and that's the antithesis of the model that the existing primes have. It changes their business. One thing you find pretty quickly when you work in software is that it's never finished. Um, you know, there's there's never like, you know, some piece of software is deployed, and then it's like, it's that for forever, for the next 20, 30 years. Certainly not like 
a major de defense acquisition program lifecycle. Um, you know, there's a reason why your computer is updating all the time. And every time you launch an app, it like checks to see if there are updates. And that's because software is never finished. Um, it's one of the unique benefits you get from uh, this new kind of tech ecosystem that's developed. Um, Elon talks about this a lot with regards to Tesla automobiles, where basically he says like, you know, you're not getting improvements to the car when you buy a new model year. Your car is continuously being upgraded um, by over-the-air updates to the software that operates it. And that includes things like, you know, self-driving features and things like that. You don't have to buy a 2021 Tesla to get those features. It's just backported uh, via software um, to the cars that already have the sensors installed. And so I think that really this is kind of the way that we should be thinking about a lot of capabilities that we're developing moving into the future is that, you know, wars of the future are going to be fought with co competition in the area of artificial intelligence, computer vision, machine learning. Um, and these are all software competencies, not hardware competencies. That's not to say that there are not hardware advances that are happening. There, there certainly are. And we should also be taking advantage of those. Um, but we've done a pretty good job in the department of thinking through the research and development of new hardware capabilities, whether it's like new material science or new sensors. Um, and we're, we've done historically a much less good job on the software side of things. And I think we need to recognize that the engineering challenges that are present in the construction of a fighter jet and those of building like really complex AI powered software systems are, are the same. It's not, you know, one is hard, the other one's not. It's like, no, they're actually like a similar level of complexity. What about small businesses and other businesses that traditionally do not do business with the Defense Department? Uh, the Defense Department has really tried to court these different companies and has put out a lot of money to work with them, but uh, it's hard to say if they've necessarily had a success with it or a lot of these make it to a program of record. What can the Defense Department do about that? Most of the innovations today are coming from small, innovative companies. Uh, that's not who the DOD buys from. That's not who program executives are comfortable with dealing with, and that's not how the system is uh, is designed. Um, it's a, it's just kind of amazing sitting in the valley, one foot in the valley and one foot in uh, in Washington, and watching the major disconnect of the uh, of the DoD not understanding where their sources of of future wins are. Um, it's not that the primes are stupid. Um, they're smart people. They have great lawyers, great contract people, you know, very good engineers. But the innovation is happening in a Darwinian uh, pace uh, elsewhere. And uh, and unfortunately, China's figured that out when they've just fused, you know, did civil military fusion with, in fact, Communist Party uh, representatives in, in every uh, every company. The Department of Defense has everything that it needs to do this correctly. And we just have a long history of not doing the right thing. We've accelerated on, from a velocity perspective, the pilot side of things to the point where it's probably never been easier than at any point in American history to win a pilot contract with the Department of Defense. I mean, we're throwing out literally hundreds of millions of dollars to kind of a like let all seeds bloom, uh, SBIR, OTA, work, you know, pilot prototype work program. 6263 funding strategy. Um, the problem is that none of those seeds that we're planting are really blooming into significantly scaled in production capabilities. 
Um, and that's because there's this valley of death that, ex that exists. You know, if it, if it takes five years to go from a pilot to a program of record, but a company's funding cycle in the private market uh, is like every 18 months, they need to go out and raise additional capital and show milestones. Basically, like the company is dead um, once it gets to the point of technical, te technological maturity that would allow it to, you know, scale uh, inside the department. And so this is really the problem that we're trying to address with this idea of a, um, like a scaling innovation fund uh, is put money directly toward going out and looking across all of those pilots and prototypes, selecting a very small handful, like four to six, um, that are incredibly promising that we want to make sure survive through a transition to a program office um, and put real dollars behind it, contractual dollars behind it, um, to ensure that those companies are still going to exist and those capabilities are still, we're still going to have access to those capabilities. Trey Stevens, partner at Founders Trust and former Defense Business Board member Steve Blank, speaking with Federal News Network Scott Mascioni. Check out Scott's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.